Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. After outlasting the Ravens and putting their road losing streak to bed, our beloved return home where they played their best football and looked to keep their winning ways going against the visiting Carolina Panthers. Can the Bears keep this up, or will they just fall flat? Brian Beversluis of the Cat Scratch Reader joins us on the Week 7 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Week number seven is on tap next for our beloved Chicago Bears. Will it be a lucky week seven when they return home to Soldier Field to take on the Carolina Panthers? What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the week seven preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. And like I said in the open, uh, Brian Beversluis from the Cat Scratch Reader will be joining us a little bit later on to preview uh, the game. Has an interesting take on why he thinks the Bears approach with Trubisky and the offense is the way to go and for you know I don't know how many weeks it's happened this year but um you know you walk away from the conversation like walking into it I I mean and I even had a conversation with my dad earlier like on my way home from work I was on the phone with him and I said I think the Panthers are going to kill us I think the Panthers are going to murder the Bears and it really hadn't didn't have much to do with with talent level or, or anything like that I mean on paper the Panthers are the better team let's be honest but you know we've proven this year that that when we can be mistake free and you'll hear me say this a few times when we can be mistake free the Bears can play with absolutely anybody we've proven that you know but then like we you know week one against the the Falcons week three against the Steelers, definitely. Last week on the road at the Ravens. And then the week before, you know, we hung tough with the Vikings. You know, we gave them all they could handle and, uh, you know, fell short just at the end there. And it's, uh, you know, when the Bears can avoid those mistakes, when the Bears can avoid beating themselves, you know, making it easy for their opponent to beat us, you know, you'll have those performances. And then you'll have the Green Bay game. Then you'll have the... Tampa Bay game both were utter utter disasters were basically and thankfully they were road games so we didn't have to hear our own fans boo us or anything like that but you know thank God they were on the road and in and, and the analogy being that basically the Bears never got off the bus for either of those games you know we just did not look like we were ready to play or just just out we were outclassed and at the same time beating ourselves and making things um easy for our opponents i mean if you go back and listen to the knee-jerk reactions for the tampa bay game it's basically me saying over and over again the 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 buccaneers haven't really done this to the bears the bears have done it to themselves you know glennon throwing the interceptions fumbling the football Tariq cohen trying to pick up that uh punt return right there in front of two defenders and things like that this is all self-inflicted stuff but the you know give credit to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they took uh, advantage of the gifts that the Bears were giving them. That's basically how it all went down. That's what good teams are supposed to do. You take advantage of the mistakes your opponents make, and you know call it me a pessimist, call me you know a bad fan, whatever you want to call me. You know <laughs> I don't trust this team. I don't trust this team. I wish for the best. I hope for the best. I root for the best. I want to see them win every single Sunday. You know, every single one, you know, I don't want to ever see them lose. You know, it just it just sucks watching your team lose, especially now with the, the Cubs down three to one. I mean, I, actually, I'm starting this show right at seven o'clock, so I don't have to watch the beginning of the NLCS game between the Cubs and the Dodgers. I just want to avoid having to watch that for as long as I can, because the Cubs are down three one right now. And 
you know, they, they haven't played well in the series at all, but anyway, um, you know, but to, to go back to what I was saying, um, you know, you, you have this attitude or this thought, this, you know, pessimism, glass half empty, uh, attitude when it comes to the bears. And then I talk to our, let's just call them our opponent. We talk to our opponents and they kind of have the same attitude about their team. You know, not only when I was talking to Brian Beversluis last night for from for our show, but when I actually went on to the Cat Scratch Reader podcast and talked to Brian and two other uh, Panther fans on their show. You know, you can hear that as well. It's called Fourth and Short. You can see it at CatScratchReader.com. I believe they said the episode would be out tonight uh, or today on Thursday. So if you want to check that out, go ahead. Um, but, uh, you know, talking to them they have the same fear about their team that we do with ours. You know, they, they have, uh, you know, worries that the, uh, the Panthers are, are going to have trouble handling the bears and their running game and, and, and whatnot, and how, how strong the bears have been on defense so far this year and, and, and what have you. So, you know, for, you know, like after like walking into the Atlanta game, I was like, you know, we're probably going to get killed. I'm not really looking forward to this kind of thing. After we talked to Matt Carroll, you're like, you know what? We might have a shot at this thing. And, and uh, you know, after week two with the Buccaneers going into that Pittsburgh game, I was just like, we're just going to get murdered again. I mean, how can you be optimistic about this team after that performance? You talk to Jeff Hartman. I was like, you know what? The Bears might have a shot in this thing. Maybe that, that gut feeling I've had all summer about the Bears winning that game isn't so crazy, and it turned out not to be. And, you know, last week I had this feeling the Bears might pull this thing off and beat the Ravens somehow and after talking to matt stevens uh you know previewing the ravens i feel better about our chances and going into this week going into the interview last night i just had this level of like you know waiting for i mean obviously it's still possible but i feel better about our chances after talking to brian than i did before uh i did you know so maybe there's 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 a little bit more of a glimmer of hope in this game while in the background i'm i'm still waiting for uh waiting for that um collapse i guess or or that um you know waiting for the team to come apart at the seams like we've seen them do uh, a couple of times usually after a very good performance so i mean uh, the performance that we had outside of special teams was was pretty awesome last week and so i mean we're due for a bad performance again so i guess like i said that's just the pessimist in me the glass half empty or you know like i said I, i'm you know, I, I want to trust this team, but right now I can't because at least twice so far this year, we've been really, really excited about the team and what they can do and what we think they can do week one and week three against the Steelers and the Falcons only to embarrass themselves the following week. So, I mean, you know, it was fun last week um, watching the defense be their dominant old selves you know i mean the bears were just awesome on defense last week three turnovers we sacked flacco a couple of times we generated points i mean it was like the lovey days all over again you know scoring points for the for you know putting points on the board helping out the offense flipping the field with turnovers intercepting it on our side of the ball and you know at the end of the play we're on their side of the 50 and uh and what have you and um you know, it's just, uh, you know, I hate to admit it, but it's the truth. I'm, I'm just waiting. to. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. To see uh, if they can if they can be consistent, because that's what they have not been uh, all season and pretty much throughout the entire John Fox era is consistent. You know, they've been consistently inconsistent uh, all three seasons thus far with uh, with Fox at the uh, at the helm. So 
But we're at the tail end of this first half. We got the Panthers this week. We got the Saints next week. Then we get the break to prepare for the Aaron Rodgers-less Green Bay Packers for Week 10 to kick off the second half of the season. So uh, it's it's an important stretch of games. If we perform here, perform well here next week, you know, maybe we've got a chance to see the Bears open up the purse strings on offense a bit and let Trubisky go after the Saints defense, which is uh, notoriously generous when it gives uh, as far as giving up points is concerned. I mean, they scored 52 points last week, but they needed to score 52 because they gave up 38 to the Lions last week. So maybe it'll be one of those days where if, if our defense can bottle up the Saints and uh, they still allow 38 points, maybe we can walk away with an easy victory to close out the first half. Who knows? But I'm getting ahead of myself, you know. No real news going on this week. Uh, nothing exciting or, or uh, you know, no real big transactions or anything. The Bears added a wide receiver to the practice squad and let go of uh, a linebacker. Jason Thompson was the linebacker that was let go. Um, Spence was the wide receiver. I believe he's from the Rams that we signed to the practice squad. So we added another wide receiver to the team. Maybe he can also add, jump up to the active roster so he can not catch passes from anyone uh, in particular. Um, you know, so we talk about the, that was basically it as far as the transactions go. Um, the injury report um, coming into this week, uh, Benny Cunningham has been limited uh, Wednesday and Thursday with a hamstring. Tanner Gentry has had some issue with his hip, was limited yesterday, full participation today on Thursday. Hironis Grasso still limited with that hand injury on both Wednesday and Thursday. Nick Witkowski still practicing, still limited, though, with that pectoral injury. Sherrick McManus, John Timu, and Marcus Wheaton, surprise, surprise, have not practiced thus far uh, this week and are expected to be inactive on Sunday. So McManus with the hamstring that he suffered against the Ravens. Uh, Timu with that knee-slash-ankle injury that he suffered against the Vikings looked a lot worse you know, like we thought like, oh, that's uh, that's a serious injury. Like we we'll expect to see his name on the IR list. Thankfully for Timu and for us, it wasn't that uh, wasn't that significant, but he hasn't practiced this week. And then Marcus Wheaton with the groin injury, he suffered at some point, you know, probably getting out of the shower or something, knowing him with his luck. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Tanner Gentry, full participation. So he'll be fully available to run. Win sprints for 60 minutes on offense uh, for the Bears on Sunday. And, uh, you know, we'll see what uh, comes of uh, Benny Cunningham and uh, Nick Kwiatkowski as we get closer to Sunday. So um, other than that, the only other thing that really piqued my interest was I saw on Twitter today um, when they were talking to the players uh, with the media, I mean, talking to the players that Pernell McPhee um, let it uh, or revealed or let it out that um, – Mitch Trubisky has a new nickname or um, or they revealed his nickname or something like that. And apparently it came from Leonard Floyd, um, our second round or excuse me, our second year uh, player. Uh, Leonard Floyd, our outside linebacker. His nickname is the Pretty Boy Assassin. So there you go. Pretty Boy Assassin, Mitchell Trubisky. Um, I guess he is pretty. So whatever. But uh, the assassin part, I don't quite get yet. Um, you know, maybe that's because the the defense gets to see Mitch Trubisky throw the football a lot more than we Bear fans do. So maybe that's why they have the assassin nickname uh, attached to him. Um, you know, I would I would just stick with Pretty Boy and leave it at that. And he's going to have to earn the name Assassin, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, to see him throw the football. Um, which means that Log Lo Loggins and, and Fox would have to actually allow him to to do that more than 16 times in a 60-plus-minute football game. So, yeah, so that was it. I mean, that's basically all I got for the uh, for the, the news and notes. Nothing else really going on, no big stories uh, out there or, or what have you. So we got the injury report, and we got a new nickname for our quarterback, the pretty boy assassin Mitch Trubisky, and uh, hopefully it's one that he starts to earn on the field because uh you know that would be cool but uh what do you say we go ahead and uh bring in our good friend uh brian beversluice from the cat scratch reader on sb nation to help us preview week number seven between the bears and the panthers
number seven of the 2017 season has our beloved returning home once again, this time to take on the Carolina Panthers. And here to help us preview this week's battle between those two teams, Brian Beversluis from Cat Scratchery. I pronounced your name right, didn't I? Yes, you did. Okay, that great. Correct. All right, cool. Uh, Brian here to join us once again from SB Nation's Cat Scratch Reader to help us preview the game. Brian, how are we doing? Doing pretty great. How are you doing? Oh, you know, we won on Sunday, so I guess there's that. Oh, you know, right. the uh, the Cubs are uh, slowly killing my spirit, but you know, at least uh, the Bears are still playing. I guess I don't know. So. <laughs> Hey, it's football season. It's been a weird year. So Yeah, it really it has. Happen. You know, for for uh, you know, coming off a season where, you know, they were saying that the, the you know, the football was boring or that it was predictable or the ratings were down, you know, the fact that each week has been more predictable than the one more unpredictable than the one before it, you know, kind of has to be making up for that, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I've just I've given up on trying to predict how games are going to go this year. I mean, it's just been it's been nuts like the Saints coming out after being 0-2 and, like, dominating in their last three games, yeah. you know. The Bears coming out and almost beating the Falcons week one. Like, the Panthers going and losing to the Saints and then beating the Patriots. It's just – it's it's a crazy year already. Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at that. I was I was looking at your schedule. You, you come out of the gates at San Francisco, you know, 20-point win. Not the world's biggest surprise right there. You know, the 49ers are terrible. Then home for a Buffalo, which has proven to be a more impressive win as time goes on because the Bills themselves are 3-2 and two right now. Uh, then you go into the Superdome against the Saints, and not only did you lose, you lost by 21 points, 34-13. to 13, And then you go on the road, like you said, a week later at Foxborough, the defending world champions. And even though the final score was 33-30, to 30, the, the, the margin was way bigger before the Patriots came back there, before the Panthers had to hold on at the end. Yep. That was a surprising win. I was not expecting Carolina to come out and fire on all cylinders like they did. Right. Then you go on the road at Detroit in 27-24, come away with the win there. And then on a short week last Thursday, um, come up short against the uh, came up short against the Eagles. Now, was this a was this a come from behind, you know, came up short kind of thing or, you know, because I, I didn't get a chance to watch the game. So that game was pretty back and forth, but. Philadelphia shut down the Panthers' running game to the point that the Panthers' running backs were running for literally an average of inches per run. Wow. Um, it was it was a bad, bad showing by the Panthers on power rushing attack, which is something they pride themselves on. Yeah. The only person who could run the ball and really make any plays was Cam Newton, mm -hmm. and he kept them in the game, and their defense got a lot of sacks. Ultimately, in the fourth quarter, the Panthers' offense had two different opportunities to put the game away and win and they just couldn't do it with turnovers so it it was a game where i think carolina should have lost by more because of how poorly their offense played but right. it just goes to show that their team has you know quite a lot of different places that they win at so now you've been playing against some pretty prolific offenses the last few weeks um but the point totals that i'm seeing are surprising for a carolina defense 34 for the saints 30 for New England, 24 for Detroit, and then 28 from Philadelphia. So the 24 by Detroit is the least amount of points you guys have allowed in the last four weeks. Is it is it the offenses that you guys are facing? Is it the big leads and then you're easing up at the end and having to hold on? Or, you know, what? how can you explain what's going on with the defense allowing so many points? Well, a little bit of both things that you said. I mean, the – the Panthers' defense has actually been really good this year, but they're okay. not forcing turnovers. They've only uh. got – two turnovers this year, which is something that Carolina has been known for is forcing turnovers. Right. So two turnovers, not so good. They don't, they only have one interception. It was by Luke Keekley. Um, the offense coming out and scoring a bunch of points and then easing up towards the end is like a staple of Ron Rivera for some reason. <laughs> they, uh, they really allow teams to come back into the game by not being aggressive or not maintaining the same stuff that they win with. I mean, against Philadelphia, they had the chance to win and they just came out on a fourth on a, second and short and threw the ball deep three straight times and didn't convert it. Um, the other issue is that the offense has been turning the ball over a lot more. And obviously, like I said, the Panthers defense has been creating turnovers. So when the defense has to deal with a short field, they're going to give up points. And on top of that, I mean, you look at the offenses that the Panthers have faced, like the Eagles offense has been really good this year with Carson Wentz. I mean, he's apparently in the MVP conversation right now. 
Yeah. Uh, Matthew Stafford's Lions are never uh, someone to shake a stick at as far as their offense goes. Obviously, Tom Brady, really good quarterback. Um, you know, those three teams are really have really good offenses, really good quarterbacks against the uh, the Niners and the and the Bills. They didn't really have a whole lot of problems shutting down those defense those offenses, but. It's really just been a point of the Panthers' offense coming back and being consistent once again, and uh, specifically against the Eagles. This team's not meant to throw the ball 50 times a game, They, and that's what Cam Newton did. That was the most passes he's ever thrown in an NFL game in his career. Um, so when you become one-dimensional like that, it makes your, it forces your, off, your defense to be on the field more, and no matter how good your defense is, if they're on the field more than your offense, you're going to get scored on. Yeah, I fear that that may be a... Tr- um a theme this week going into the the game. And I, I was actually talking to my dad uh, earlier today about, you know, the how inconsistent the Bears can be. I mean, and you've probably seen it if you just look at our schedule. Week one, the tight loss against the Falcons, you know, you know, it basically we played, we played good enough to win. We just came up short. Basically we got beat by one play, that crazy Austin Hooper uh, touchdown. The week later, were on the road at Tampa Bay, and we never got off the bus against Tampa Bay. It was embarrassing. I mean, just just awful. A week later, we beat the Steelers. You know, it takes overtime to do it, which it shouldn't have gotten overtime. We beat the Steelers. Then a week later, we're embarrassed on national television on Thursday night against the Vi- or, excuse me, the Packers. Then we lose on Monday night to the Vikings, but that came down to the wire, and then somehow we pull it off against the, the Ravens uh last week and then we got you guys coming in you're you're rested 10 days um you know you beat you beat new england on the road so there's no reason you shouldn't be able to beat chicago uh on the road and uh i just fear like um you know i just have this funny feeling and so the last few weeks my gut has been correct i had a gut feeling that we'd beat the ravens and we did i had a gut feeling we beat the steelers and we did and I've got this gut feeling, unfortunately, that we're going to get trucked on Sunday by a very angry Panthers team. So, to, to your points about the Steeler, about the Bears' kind of inconsistent schedule, it seems like the NFL in general this year has been more of a more parity than it has been in the past. True. Like it seems to be more about matchups. And what really scares me about the game against the Bears is that the Bears are a very heavy run-based team, and they're gonna they're gonna run the ball down the Panthers' throats with Jordan Howard and uh, Tariq Cohen. Mm-hmm. Those guys are gonna be heavily featured. Um, Luke Keekley's not probably not going to play based on what I've seen. I mean, he we don't really know what his status is yet because we don't even know if he's actually sustained a concussion. We just know he's in the concussion protocol. Oh wow! Um, and I know that the Bears heavily feature Zach Miller as their tight end. Um, and on defense, the Bears' front seven's been pretty good from what I've seen. I don't know if that's correct or not. It is. But, yeah, that's. it seems like their their issues on defense are more so with the secondary than anything. And Carolina has just flat-out struggled against teams that have caused problems for their running game and their passing attack as far as the front seven goes. I mean, a lot of people were predicting the Panthers to beat the Eagles, and I was sitting there saying, I really hope it's a close game because that front seven's really good. And sure enough, the front seven dominated the Panthers. Um, I don't know if the Bears' front seven is on par with the Eagles yet, just because the Eagles have a lot more established guys that are like we know they're really good. Sure. Where the Bears have guys who are who have shown to be pretty good, they just haven't had the the established body of work that a lot of the guys in the Eagles have, like Fletcher Cox, for example. Sure. Um, I, and I think this is actually going to be a very physical game where the Panthers are going to try to establish the run and the Bears are going to try to stop it. And it's going to come down to who does which one better. Right. That said, based on what I've seen of the Panthers this year, I think they're going to come out and play pretty well against the Bears because they just got their asses handed to them against the <laughs> Eagles and they can, they're going to have a, a game plan for a team. Because bottom line, I think the Bears are going to – come out and throw a lot of what the Eagles did at the Panthers, even though their defenses are not necessarily the same, because it, it was a proven formula. The Panthers couldn't move the ball very efficiently because their offense was literally trying to run the ball and gaining less than a yard almost every time when it wasn't Cam Newton holding the ball. So it's it's going to be something where coaching is going to have a lot to do with it. And I think you're right, though. I think the Panthers are going to come out real angry after that loss to the Eagles. See my my more my main concern and and what I've seen from the Bears this year and what has proven correct in the first few first five six weeks 
of the season is that um, when they when they come apart, it's more about penalties. It's more about turning the football over, you know. And granted, you, you've said the Panthers haven't done much as far as turnovers so far this year. Um, that's how that's what was embarrassing about the, the 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 Tampa Bay game. You know, there's never a good time to have a penalty, but every one that the Bears had against Tampa Bay, against Green Bay, they were killers. You know, we, like against Minnesota a couple of weeks ago, we had Jordan Howard run one for 42 yards and a touchdown called back for a holding penalty. Those points would have made the difference in the game. We'd have won if that touchdown stays on the board. Things like that. The self-inflicted wounds is what I'm more concerned about. And, you know, like I said, the, the inconsistency of this team showing that when we can be as close to perfect as humanly possible, they've shown they can play with anybody. You know, we almost beat the, the defending NFC champs on opening day because of that. You know, we, we took, uh, we, we, you know, we beat the Steelers because we were just a little bit less sloppy than them in that game. And, you know, same thing with the, with the Baltimore game on Sunday. They had three turnovers. We only had two. And, you know, they had penalties that hurt them. And we were actually, I think, the lowest penalty total we've had all season. I'm more concerned about what the Bears do to themselves than I am about what the Panthers uh, can do but it's like having watched them on offense um, you know if you guys basically play short yardage defense and if you do it well you're going to be successful against the Bears because that running game it's the one trick pony if, if they're for whatever reason they don't trust Trubisky or they're, they're handcuffing Trubisky or they're afraid to risk putting him out there to throw the ball or, or what have you I just don't like what we're seeing uh, from our offense so far and you know penalties are really a big killer for any team. And Carolina yeah. actually, Carolina actually did that to themselves a little bit against the uh, Saints. They came out and had like five penalties in the first quarter. After weeks before that, they had given up. They had given maybe one or two penalties on average. So I get where you're coming from there. And uh, the Panthers are definitely going to be aggressive with Mitch Trubisky because the one thing that's different now that might that us. Uh, Steve Wilkes is a defensive coordinator compared to Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott came from the Jim Johnson school of thought, which was, you know, rush your front four, rotate heavily, rely on that front four to get pass pressure. And last week they blitzed more than I think I've ever seen them blitz against a team. And they had several sacks. I want to say they sacked Carson Wentz four or five, maybe six times. And a lot, and almost all of them came on blitzes. So against Mitch Trubisky, the Panthers are going to blitz a lot. I mean, they, they are going to throw some exotic looks at him, and the Bears are really going to have to establish the run in order to really be competitive because I know Trubisky is a promising young guy, and the, the Bears have some solid offensive line pieces, but as far as the weapons that Trubisky has to work with, if he's not, if he's getting, if he's not getting a lot of time to throw the ball, he's going to get sacked a lot because I just don't see those guys getting open within two to three seconds against the Panthers' defense, especially if they're aggressive with the – short yardage zone or even playing man coverage and pressing, which is something that they've been trying to establish more. So it well, could they, be a problem for the for the Bears offense, definitely. Well therein lies the problem. I mean last week against the the, the Ravens, uh and we had overtime as well, um we threw the ball sixteen times on Sunday. Oh Jesus. So, you know, if we didn't go to overtime where Trubisky added about thirty yards to his total we w he would have finished the game with 86 yards passing on Sunday. That's where I'm concerned, you know, is, is that, you know, we got so – it was almost like an obsession with the way the Bears were running the ball. It eventually worked, and Howard had that big run in overtime that set up the game-winning field goal uh, and what have you, but he needed 36 carries to get as many yards as he got uh, on Sunday. And, um, you know, I, I, I just it, – it's not a good recipe in my opinion – for the Bears to keep trying to, you know, pound the pound the nail that way. Sounds like a John Fox football classic. Oh, John Fox, absolutely, football. absolutely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm over here on on my show condemning the existence of Dole Loggins, and you know, I keep hearing from the beat writers that this is probably more to do with John Fox than it does Dole Loggins. The way the Bears are operating on offense uh, right now, so it's just, um, you know, it's not exciting. Uh, that's for sure. You know, because running the football, you're only going to have so many exciting plays when you run the ball. And frustrating to not watch them throw the ball with this with this kid who's got a great arm. He can move well. You know, he, he can throw under pressure. He doesn't buckle 
like Glennon did, which was ridiculous the way that he just he just crumbled under pressure. It was amazing to watch at times. And we're not, uh, you know, it's like I just wonder why what he's doing in there if we're not going to let the kid do his thing. So I, I kind of had – this is more of a general discussion topic, but I was thinking about this earlier today because obviously, you know – Came coming on with you, and we're gonna we're gonna run double time and uh, jump onto the podcast with us. Which, by the way, listeners on here, feel free to check out the CSR podcast. We're gonna have Larry on for that. Sweet today as well. Um, but I was just thinking about the number of teams recently who have been trading away a bunch of draft picks to go up and get their quarterback, and yeah. the general mindset around the NFL nowadays seems to be: you get your franchise quarterback, you're gonna be successful. And I kind of have a problem with that general idea because what I, the, the ones that I the ones that the one situation that I really think of is RG3 mm-hmm. Robert Griffin III yeah he, he proved in his first year he can be a good quarterback when he was surround he was he came in he was they traded up to get him they traded away a lot of draft capital to do it and he came out and led the Redskins to the playoffs yep. the problem with that was that the next two or three years they didn't have the draft capital to surround him with more talent, whether it's offensive line talent, weapons, defensive talent, whatever. Um, and RG three crumbled because he got he got destroyed, and he was getting he he physically couldn't hold up to the pressure. And there aren't a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL who can take a ton of hits and stay healthy. Right. Um, so there's him. The other guy I can really think of is David Carr with the Texans when he was the number one overall pick, and they just didn't have the talent around him either. And he showed in his first few years that he could be a good quarterback, but he just got broken by being sacked so many times. Right. It's like you invest so much capital into a position where it's like that's the guy who's supposed to lead you to the promised land. But what happens if you do that? You throw him into the fire and you break it, you know? So thinking of Trubisky, I think that making the running game the big focal point of their offense in the long term is actually going to help him just because he's not throwing the ball 25, 30 times a game, because that's that's what we saw with a lot of the rookie quarterbacks and a lot of young quarterbacks. I mean, Andrew Luck threw more passes than any other quarterback in the NFL, and now we're looking at it in the present day and age, and he hasn't even gotten on the field yet because his shoulders still hurt. Um, and he's not so going I, to. He suffered a setback. He might be done for the year all, again. Yep, and it's like you... You invest that much capital into a player where they mentally have to be with it, they physically have to be with it. There's so much that goes into being a quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's and they come out very raw nowadays. Like there aren't a lot of quarterbacks who come out and are ready to play week one. And even if they are, a lot of times the offenses become more limited than they normally are for an NFL offense. So right. I think what the what the Bears are doing, despite how painful it may be for Bears fans, <laughs> is actually is actually the best thing for him because He's getting the exposure, but he's not having to be the offense. And I, uh, I understand that completely. I do. Um, it's just, um, you know, I, and I think maybe it has to do more with the, just the general impatience of, of Bear fans. You know, this is the fifth year or so since we moved on uh, from Lovey Smith, and we're worse off now than we were when we fired him. And, you know that we had we had some pieces that, you know back then and it just it just hasn't worked out and here we are we're on our third gm now we're we're you know our second head coach and um it's just you know i guess we, you know what we're we just want to see the bears win you know and we want them to put the best players on the field and then they put them on the field and they don't use them you know properly and you know it's just frustrating i guess more as a a bear fan i mean i definitely subscribe to the to your thinking you know, that um, protecting Trubisky this year is probably going to be beneficial in 2018 uh, and beyond, especially since he doesn't really have anyone to throw the ball to, which is why I objected to drafting a quarterback in the first place. I knew we didn't have tools for a young quarterback. I didn't want the Bears to draft one, but we went ahead. And not only did we get one, we traded up to get him and uh, and so on. So, I mean, it's... Uh, it's a six in one hand, half a dozen in the other kind of thing. You know, it's like you want them out there. You want to see them play well. But, you know, like you said, you don't want them to get broken. And, you know, but the, the one good thing is we have a solid defense. 
we have Jordan Howard and things like that, so it's not all on him like it was on RG3, like it was on Andrew Luck and, and things like that. Yeah, and to give you an idea how it can really work out best, I mean, the Panthers drafted Jimmy Clausen the year before they drafted Cam Newton. Right. And they had very little to work with on offense aside from Steve Smith and their two running backs. Um, and their defense was not all that great either. Um, they draft Cam Newton. They still had some. They were able to find Greg Olson for very cheap. Sorry, Bears fans. Yeah, um, no kidding. Jeremy Shockey in free agency. They gave they gave him some easy weapons to work with for a year, and then the following years they stumbled into Luke Keekley in the draft. They stumbled into Starla Tula and Kwan Short, who are both like Pro Bowl defensive tackles in their own right. You know, they they managed to grab him Kelvin Benjamin. The Panthers just happened to get lucky with the way things fell because Cam Newton was the entire offense his first two years. Yeah. And really, even in, even like every year since then, he has been, but they've gradually given him a little more weapons. But, and once, and every time he's had a solid offensive line around him, he's had, you know, double digit wins. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, Cam got lucky because they were able to, they were able to give him just enough in his first two years to be successful. And then gradually they built up more around him and given him a solid defense. Because after the first two years, their offense really kind of imploded as far as the weapons they had. But the defense became really good. So he got lucky. But like in, in other situations with other quarterbacks, like they don't get lucky like that. They end up getting stuck with crap on offense or crap on defense. So it's like it's one of those things where it's like you you think about it in the NFL and Everybody wants your quarterback to come out and be Joe Flacco or Matt Ryan year one. Yeah. And it's just not necessarily possible because these are young guys who sometimes come out and they're pretty raw. And you throw them to the Wolves too early and they don't do well. And they you break them. They, they lose their confidence. They lose their edge because these are human beings. You know, they play with – they're playing for their families. They're playing for themselves. They're playing for their confidence. And if you shatter their confidence, they're not going to play well. I think Blake Bortles is a really good example that um so yeah it's it's tough for i'm sure it's tough for bears fans and like i said as a panthers guy you know they got really lucky with the way things worked out with cam newton they, they were able to put him into a situation where he could be successful early on so i think running i think being a run-based offense will allow mitch trubisky to see more without necessarily taking the hits he would take if he was throwing the ball 30 times a game sure. so and uh going against carolina i would strongly suggest if any of the Bears coaches are listening for some reason um, <laughs> that you can continue to do that because they're going to get after him if he's throwing the ball more than they're running it. Well, you know, I, I um, you know, you're better than a shrink, Brian. I'm starting to feel better about this all of a sudden. Uh, you know, like I said, it's, <laughs> it just doesn't make for a very entertaining brand of football. That's all. You know, yeah. you, you, you wait all week long and it's, you know, the whole three yards in a cloud of dust thing. It's, it's not entertaining to watch and i'm not a guy that necessarily wants to watch my team throw the ball 60 times a game but i would like to see them mix it up a little bit you know maybe a play action through you know that that play that that Tariq cohen threw the touchdown pass on 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 sunday i was floored that the bears were running that play because the way that the offense had been operating it just was not something that was in the realm of you know possibility to see the bears use some imagination uh like that so i mean that and the two-point play against the Vikings. I mean, if that's Doe Loggins, I'm like that's the guy I want calling plays, not the one who's being handcuffed by John Fox and just told run, 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 and then when you're done running, run some more. You know, because uh, we literally have only passed when it was absolutely necessary. Like we'll run for a yard each on first, and second down. And now it's third and eight, so we have to pass now. And then you'll see Trubisky throw the ball, but you would never see him come out and straight up do a seven-step drop on first down. I just don't see them doing that. Uh, at all and um, you know I, I would agree that um, you know we don't want him taking all those shots especially if the Panthers are hell-bent on uh, getting after him uh, on Sunday so yeah and number one props to John Fox and slash Dell Loggins because I have never seen an offense throw out more trick plays than they have with John Fox as their head coach than this year so <laughs> that's that's impressive that he may have actually learned from his mistakes in the past but uh to give it some perspective, Carolina has been really, 
really coming after every passer they've played. There hasn't really been one passer who hasn't had issues being with the pass rush. Um, the Panthers have Mario Addison, who was their best pass rusher last year. Charles Johnson, who's not quite who he used to be, but still a consistent pass rusher. And then you have Julius Peppers, who is one of the best pass rushers of all time. They're literally using him as a situational pass rusher. Like, most teams would give out a lot more money than Carolina gave to Julius Peppers to have him play that exact role. Yeah. Just rush the passer, do your best, and there's and there's some success behind it because Peppers is currently the leading sacker for the Panthers. He has, like, six and a half sacks or something like that. Yeah, that's why I just, I just read that, yeah. Yeah. And then you 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 compare that with uh, K1 Short, one of the best pass-rushing defensive tackles in the NFL. Star Latule, one of the best all-around defensive tackles in the NFL. More so a, a run-stuffer, but he's going to draw the double teams. Along with Vernon Butler, from a former first-round pick, pass-rushing defensive tackle. And Kyle Love, who is somebody who's been okay over the course of his career, but has really played well this year. And what you have is a solid rotation. And what Carolina has been doing is rotating constantly and also sending blitzes with their athletic linebackers like Thomas Davis and Shaq Thompson. What you end up getting is typically a free rusher comes in and sacks the quarterback at least once or twice a game. Mm -hmm. So Trubisky will get beat up if if they put the ball in his hands to win this game. Not saying he can't do it, but he's going to get hit a lot doing it. So the more conservative play calling and really running down the defense, especially now that Luke Keekley may or may not play, is definitely going to work to their benefit if they can make it work. But if the Panthers shut down the the Bears' rushing attack, which they're definitely going to do in the first half at least while the team's still fresh, there's going to be some problems for that passing attack. So right. it definitely behooves the Bears to maintain that more conservative mindset. And I think that if you see the game being like 6-3, to three, or like 10 to 7 going into halftime, that definitely favors the Bears in this situation. Hmm. Um, but if the Panthers put up 21, 28 points in the first half, that's a yeah. problem for the Bears because they're yeah. not going to come back from that. Yeah, that's that's what I was worried about. And in when, in, in what I was what is when I was talking to my, my father earlier um, was that, you know, because the Bears seem to have this great performance backed up by an embarrassing one, type thing where they just come apart at the seams and they can't stop it with the penalties and the the turnovers you know maybe it's just the glass half empty in me but you know that's just i'm i don't want to say i'm expecting it but you know we're due as far as how inconsistent or consistently inconsistent this team can be sometimes i fear something like that might happen that will come out and somebody will fumble the ball or a tipped pass will land in someone's hand, you know, and it's going back the other way. And before we even get a chance, you know, before anybody's beer's gotten warm, it's 14 to nothing already, you know, that kind of uh, thing, because the Bears are definitely not built to play from behind. So it would behoove, like you say, you know, it would behoove, behoove the Bears to be more conservative. For me, I say it would behoove the Bears to to be disciplined with the penalties and the mistakes as well, because, like I said earlier, you know, when we're as close to perfect as you can be in this game, we've proven that we can play with anybody. So that's what I want to see on Sunday is I want to see them compete with the Panthers and not be embarrassed like they have against Green Bay or Tampa Bay uh, in those two really embarrassing losses. Yeah, and I agree with the conservative mindset of it. I also think that Carolina is not necessarily built to maintain sustained drives right now just because Cam Newton's arm is still kind of a question mark. I mean, towards the end of the Eagles game, for anybody who actually watched it, um, once he got past, like, throwing 35 passes, his arm definitely diminished as far as that went because his shoulder's not 100% yet. So Mm. if the Bears, like, Cam is going to make the throw. Cam can still make the throws that will score touchdowns. So that's not something where I'm, like, saying, hey, Bears, put it in Cam Newton's hands. But if they can force that offense to be one-dimensional, Cam's not going to maintain that throughout the entire game. So that will behoove the, the Bears to uh, make them one-dimensional and really try to make them stop the run. But it's not an easy task, especially since Cam Newton himself can run the ball too. Right. Um, what I really expect, though, is the Bears to be like, Fine, you're not going to run the ball. Cam Newton needs to throw the ball to make the, to make this work, and that could work for them. 
So I guess uh, all in the end, it's it's just going to be, you know, as far as a Bear fan and Trubisky and everything is concerned, maybe it's just be patient because his first three games are against Minnesota, Baltimore, and Carolina, three teams that are uh, pretty good on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, not exactly the spot where we thought that we would want Trubisky to, to, to have his debut uh, and things like that, but... Um, you know, got the Saints next week, and while they've they've been pretty great, they're also, you know, they're also not they're also pretty generous with the points. So maybe we'll see them ease the reins a little bit against the Saints next Sunday and keep it safe and conservative against the better defensive teams like Carolina. Yeah, I mean the the Saints have been playing really well, but yeah, they are generous with the points, and I think really what's going to come down to for the Bears is just you know. Let Trubisky get into a rhythm. Let him get used to how to the NFL speed, game yeah. speed. Um, Carolina is going to throw a lot of blitzes at him, and I would expect the Saints to do the same. It's really tough to ask your quarterback to come out and play three t- three really good defenses like the, t- the three you just named and be successful. So I think that on top of that, one thing I'm really concerned with as a Panthers guy is Tariq Cohen. I think he's going to be heavily involved because – the Panthers' best pass pass coverage linebacker, Luke Keekley, probably won't play. And when it comes to their safeties, you know, Jarris Bird just came off the street last year or last week, and uh, Michael Adams is like 37. So Cohen could potentially be a, a high impact player for the Bears because I don't know who the heck's going to cover him for the Panthers. Well, speaking of guys that are going to be difficult to cover, I've, I've been wanting to ask about Christian. McCaffrey, how has he been in the first five, six weeks of the season for you guys? So he has been a very consistent pass guy as far as uh, receiving goes. The main issue there for the first two weeks was just that Camp Newton wasn't himself and wasn't throwing the ball correctly. And arguably, McCaffrey could have already had three touchdowns on his NFL career instead of just the one. Um, He's been really good, and he's actually been, like, really close to breaking really big plays for Carolina. It's just been, like, a shoestring tackle or a bump here and there or a guy he could have made miss that tripped him up here and there, and he would be a lot higher in his yardage total. So he's got he's gotten the opportunities, and Carolina kind of force-fed him the ball the first two weeks while Cam Newton was recovering. He's going to be heavily involved. He's been running between the tackles. He's been lining up at wide receiver. He's been returning punts and kicks. He's gonna. He's he's part of the offense already, and he's part of the special teams. He's he's a heavy contributor. He just hasn't done a whole lot statistically to set him aside from the rest of the pack. But he is definitely the most versatile player the Panthers have, and I have a feeling that they're gonna really feature him against the Bears this week. All right, so we have that to look forward to. Brian, I want to thank you for uh, coming back on to help preview the game, and uh, where can they hear me on your show again? Uh, we're going to be, it's the cats. It's just the CSR podcast called fourth and short. You can find us on catscratchreader.com. Um, we do a podcast at least one every week. Uh, we'll be doing one that will be available tomorrow with Larry here previewing the bears. So we'll, you'll hear a little bit more about the bears since my guys want to hear about what the bears got going on. So all right, should be a good time. All right. So be sure and check that out. You hear more of my beautiful, majestic, voice on a panther show and uh you know brian thanks again for uh coming on the show and uh we look forward to talking to you again soon yeah sounds good want to thank brian again for uh being on the show and also want to thank him for having me on the Cat Scratch Reader podcast called Fourth and Short. If you want to check it out, it is out right now. Go, go to catscratchreader.com on SB Nation and see it there. And uh, I wasn't, uh, I didn't make sure to, to see if it was on iTunes or, or if it's just on the site. But uh, nonetheless, go ahead and check that out to uh, hear the conversation between myself, Brad, and John about the Bears and Panthers. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a good time. I enjoyed myself. So uh, thanks for, for being on the show, Brian, and for having me on uh, fourth and short it was fun so going into this game you know like I said earlier uh, you know with all my pessimistic attitude and and the fact that you know 
every time you get your hopes up with this team, something happens like the Tampa Bay game or the Green Bay game where you just watch them fall apart and look like an embarrassment among football teams. Um, you know, if, if we're looking at this thing straight up, obviously on offense, you heard me talk about it to death on the review episode. You heard me talk about it with Brian about just wanting to see a bit more imagination with this offense and, you know, listening to Brian talk about how, you know, this is probably the better way to go. He's out there, he's got game experience, but it's not all on him. And in a way I can definitely see the merits to that. Absolutely. But, you know, if we were going to worry about him not making mistakes or, you know, or anything like that with the offense, the way that we're, this is probably the offense we should have been running when Glennon was out there, you know, not putting the football into, in his hands too much, you know, giving the ball to the, to our running backs and letting them try to do their thing and hoping the defense can keep us in football games and so on and so forth. Um, you know, Glennon can do that. Uh, we, we wanted, we wanted Trubisky out there because it was supposed to help us add a layer to the offense to add a little more athleticism to the position. And granted, we saw that against the Ravens, those two touch those, the touchdown throw to Deion Sims and the third and 11 pass to Kendall Wright on Sunday were outstanding throws that Glennon couldn't have made on his best day. Okay. They were both really great throws. Ones where he had to use his athleticism to make those throws. Cause it wasn't perfect. Just, you know, step back in the pocket and go through all your perfect you know, fundamental motions as a quarterback and make sure you got everything right. Your feet are set, you lean on that front leg, you know, all that kind of stuff. Didn't have, couldn't worry about any of that. It was more about, boy, I'm just going to have to get this out there somehow. And boom, he nailed it, put it right where it needed to be on both of those throws and big plays happen for the Bears both times. Now, you know, that's not going to happen every time Trubisky runs, you know, drops back to throw, but he's capable of that. We see what he can do. And not to mention the pluses as far as, you know, what he, how he handles being in the pocket, that Kendall Wright throw being the perfect example. You know, he had to step up, then step to the side, and then jump in the air to throw that ball as a throw that you'll never see Mike Glennon do in a million years. He probably couldn't even do it with his Madden self on a video game or something. So, you know, it's just that, you know, what we got Trubisky or why we all wanted him to eventually be out there, why I had to eventually concede that he needed to be out there as opposed to watching Mike Glennon take the lumps was because he was supposed to add something that was missing. And we've only seen that in little itty bitty tiny bits. And I, and I know as fans, we all want to see more of it. You know, we want to see this number two overall pick, you know, spread his wings uh, a little bit. Now, um, you know, he had the... He had the Vikings first and the Ravens last week, and now the Panthers again. Three very three teams known very much for their defensive prowess. Uh, as far as giving up points, this team we're facing this Sunday has given up at least 24 points in the last four weeks. So I guess maybe that does bode a little bit better for the Bears as far as maybe we can loosen some things up on the offensive side or or maybe Loggins can you know see some things going on with that defense that will allow the Bears to to mix it up a little bit more. I, I, I just want them to be a little bit more entertaining on offense. You know, football is entertainment after all, you know, and, um, you know, the, like I said, we, we've, we've been, we, we damn near wasted the most complete defensive performance we've had from this team since John Fox took over. And actually the most complete defensive performance we've had since lovey left in after 2012. I mean, that's how good the defense played on Sunday and it was damn near wasted by the fact that special teams couldn't hold up its end and that the offense wasn't putting the points on the board to distance themselves from the, from the Ravens. And so, you know, hopefully we can continue what we did in Baltimore, especially on the defensive side. But as a team, we cut down on the penalties. We weren't killing ourselves having, you know, the, the few big plays that we do generate, we didn't have them coming back. Uh, because of penalties or, or anything like that. You know, it was pretty much a straight-up thing against the Ravens that we were able to come out ahead. And, you know, I guess that's what I want to see. You know, Brian, Brian Beverslus, and if you listen to uh, the Catch Scratch Reader show, all three of them very concerned about what the Bears can do on the ground uh, against this Panther defense, especially if Luke Keekley doesn't play. He's still in the concussion protocol, even though he didn't suffer a concussion last week. Because of his concussion history, he was in the protocol. And as far as I know, he has not been released yet. I think 
I saw on Twitter uh, just before I came on that uh, he still hasn't been cleared to practice yet or he has not practiced yet, and it's Thursday. So if he doesn't practice tomorrow, there's a pretty good chance he's not playing Sunday uh, against the Bears, and that's going to make the middle of their defensive of their defense because Keekley's he's their Erlacher, he's their middle linebacker. If he's not there, that makes the middle of the field vulnerable for the Panthers, and maybe we can exploit that since we do have the best interior line in football. So, um, you know, maybe that's something that we can do. Get that little. Uh, get Jordan Howard in there and lower his head and, and bowl his way forward and get some first downs and Tariq Cohen to be his shifty Darren Sproyles type self and bounce around and get some first downs and make some things happen there. So, um, you know, the, the defense that's, that's, uh, believe it or not, I think the defense is the key to the game. You know, we, we got to contain Cam Newton because there really is no stopping him. He's a, that guy's a force of nature. There's no stopping Cam Newton. There's containing him. Um, like the Broncos did in the Super Bowl a couple years back. On his MVP season, they gave you the blueprint on how to shut down um, Cam Newton. And um, one of the things you can do, Cam Newton, is a very emotional guy. You can take him out of a game mentally. You know, you really can, because that's what happened in that Super Bowl. The Broncos frustrated him, and he got basically got out of his head. He wasn't the guy that was going around dancing, opening up his shirt, the, you know, the whole Superman thing that he does when he scores a touchdown, he wasn't out there having the blast that he was when the, when the, the, the Panthers went 15 and one and steamrolled their way through the NFC playoffs. You know, this guy, he was, he was out there thinking, you know, and if the bears can do something like that and get Cam Newton mentally out of a football game or get him in a space outside of his happy place, you know, where he's so damn effective and so dangerous, then, you know, then that'd be a way of stopping Cam Newton. You know what I mean? And Kelvin Benjamin, I don't think, is going to be playing this week. Greg Olson has been out with, uh, for several weeks with a, a foot injury. So if we can, you know, somehow contain uh, Cam Newton and basically button up on Kish, Christian uh, McCaffrey, we'll be fine on defense. And I think the Bears have a better chance of doing that. Um, you know, like I said, going into the conversation with Brian uh, on my way home from work, talking to my dad on the phone, it was all doom and gloom because I'm expecting this this horrible performance from the bears. I, I am, you know, I don't want it to happen. Obviously it's, it's more like, you know, thing, you know, just imagine someone who is just, uh, you know, not a happy person, I guess. And they, they can never look at positive things positively because they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Now, personally, I'm not like that. It's just that that's what I've been like with the bears these last few years, because, you know, have we won three games in a row since Fox took over? You know, it, when we, we barely, I mean, last year we did not win two games in a row. We won one, lost three. We won one, lost three more, and so on and so forth. So two-game winning streaks aren't really something that exists in the John Fox era. So we won last week, which means we have to back it up with a loss, or at least that's what history tells us when the John Fox era is around. I think the only time we've won consecutive games is when we beat the Raiders and the Chiefs in the first five weeks of John Fox being our head coach. We went 0-3 and then beat the Raiders and then beat the Chiefs on the road, and then we've been a one-win team, you know, here and there after that. I mean, did we put together two more wins or back-to-back -back wins in 2015? I don't think we did. So, anyway. Uh, but that's that's kind of what it's like. <laughs> it's... But after talking to uh, uh, Brian and especially on the Cat Scratch Reader, talking to uh, Brad and John as well, it was uh, more of um, an easing of the tension, if you will. I'm liking our chances better uh, in, than, uh, than I did before I talked to him. And it's funny how that happens when I talk to an opponent as opposed to talking to fellow Bear fans. I feel better about talking to the enemy than I do about one of my compadres. Uh, you know, going into a game. So I overall, I, I'm on a, I gotta be honest. I still don't think the bears are going to win, but I don't think it's going to be the disaster that a Tampa Bay or green Bay, uh, loss was, uh, earlier this year. I just think maybe the Panthers, um, coming off a loss themselves, uh, might be just a little too much for the bears to, uh, to handle. And they've, they've got an amazingly tough defense as well. So, um, you know, I'm just wondering, I, I'm, I, I, I think our chances are much better than they were before I talked to 
uh, Brian and company, but I still think that um, we may walk away with the with the L on on this one. So I hate to say it, guys, but I think that's that's how it's going to go down uh, on Sunday. So I do like our chances. It's more of a 55-45 before it was more like 80-20 Panthers to Bears kind of thing. Um, you know, I do like the chance, the possibility of the bears winning is more of a reality now than it was before I talked to those guys, you know, to let me know that, you know, the Panthers are four and two, but they're a flawed team. And, uh, you know, they can, they can definitely get beaten, uh, by the bears and they've, they've played better on the road than they have at home, but you know, the bears have played better at home than they have on the road. So, you know, something's got to give on Sunday and hopefully it will be Carolina. So we will see though. So come back on Monday when we will review this ball game, knee-jerk reactions, bear up, bear down, and so much more. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.